Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And it is the final fifth and last podcast for the year. Uh, we're a bit on the delay as far as the World Club, uh, the World Cup, sorry, final was concerned. Our bad. Been a fair bit going on as far as work-wise and Christmas party, so we apologise for that. But uh, welcome back, bro. As uh, as it always is this time of the year, it's busy. Mm, There's it a is. lot going on. Plenty of tiles been sunk, and yeah, there's been uh, it's, some hangovers and delays, and uh, a lot of overtime at work as well. So things have gotten the way, but. Uh, first of all, just a, a quick summary of what's going to be happening today. We're going to do our World Cup wrap. Uh, we'll touch on any news, issues and happenings, obviously, before we grind off uh, the axe for the year and let you know about dates for next year. Uh, Brock ran a fan forum, so there's some questions out there you guys have got to pose to us. And at the end, uh, just give you some quick dates as to when we'll be back early next year in 2014 for the new season. But the World Cup final, <sighs> what do you say? 34-2, the Australians prevailed. They've won the World Cup. Uh, they got that monkey off their back. I think in particular, probably no one more relieved than Billy Slater out of everyone as far as the last World Cup's concerned. And then obviously having his little issues earlier on, he ended up with a double. Mm. Jonathan Thurston, Smith, any of the blokes, there's only a couple of them left over from that last World Cup. They've all rid themselves of uh, the little overhanging cloud that New Zealand were technically the world champions. That's now done. Yeah, well, New Zealand haven't competed with Australia well, they, I think they won the Four Nations or the Tri-Nations or whatever in 2010, I think it was. But realistically, on a game-to-game basis, they, they don't compete with us. And uh, if you have a look at that game, um, Australia, they built throughout the tournament. Uh, we we both fancy New Zealand, I think, mm. um, at, at the back end of our last podcast. But if you then watch the New Zealand uh, performances Semi, in the quarterfinal yeah. and the semifinal, mm. they were pretty ordinary. And, uh, Australia just built nicely. Jared Haynes moved to the centres was was a, a bit of a masterstroke. They dropped uh, obviously Robbie Farah came off the bench. Cherry Evans came in. They got more settled. And Papali um, as well. He made the bench look a lot better than what he yeah. did at the start of the competition. Parker got more minutes. So uh, all around when we're ripping Tim Sheens a little bit earlier, it seems like he took a few of those things on board. But yeah. Um, but whether that was just and it was smart to give everyone some, some yeah. time, obviously, and that you know we didn't concede a try in. You know, over 400, mi- 400 minutes well, as, as of the a tournament. So, I mean, he can't really be criticised for trying to make sure everyone was match fit heading into the bigger games towards the end of the year. I, I, for me, the only negative out of that, I think it went too long, the World Cup. Yeah, it went, it way, went, too, it went way too long. Bellamy and a lot of the coaches... I think the uh, soccer World Cup will go for that long. Well, Bellamy and a lot of the coaches said the same thing. It dragged out way too long. Mm-hmm. It needs to be shorter, especially now... Coming into this season, how late a lot of players are going to come back. They've got the the nines and they've got Origin. It's still going to be a shorter window. So 
yeah. uh, all around. You know, maybe we look at even the finishing. I know both grand finals are played on the one weekend, but maybe finishing a week or two earlier as well. Or every competitions and just align them so the World Cup can start sort of mid October, not start of November like it did. Mm. Well, it's all well loaded up, but uh, in the end, the, probably the biggest thing for me was that Jared Hayne move, like you said, and a lot of people out there give me a lot of stick, but let's put it this way. The bloke's a prodigy. He's a, a once-in-a-lifetime player like a lot of these guys, and as much stick as he cops at para, you can't do much with no help around you. Like, oh, playing, playing fullback, you need halves, you need a forwards to lay a platform, so you can't point the finger, but put him in a team like Australia. Yeah. Like I said, he, he, he's a prodigy. He's a once-in-a-lifetime player. People were getting uproar, you know, that were fans of the Roosters or North Queensland saying, what about Tate, what about Jennings? Well, look what, that just shows you again what Hayden does when he's got a decent team around him. Yeah. So, um, for sure. Jennings. That's why he's, he's always, um, if he's fit, yeah. he's one of the first selected for New South Wales. Well, well we both like Brent Tate, had a good end of the year, but in the, at the end of the day, he's probably not going to give you as much potency in attack. Michael Jennings gives you a thousand percent attack, but he still can't, he can't pass. pass. He had that semi final against Ireland where he missed Darius Boyd with three, like, five metre. Passes where he just had to hit him on the chest. So that the in Jared the group, Hayne in the group game you're talking about, yeah, yeah. But I think I've said this you're a little bit off topic. But Jared Hayne now has opened up an opportunity, possibly for Laurie Daly, to be able to have him and Dugan in the side without wasting yeah. Hayne on the wing. Have Hopawade if he comes back in any good form, along with Jennings and uh, you know we've got McManus to fill us. I think our back line. Yeah, um, Hayne can play anywhere in the back line. Yeah. Apart but from it's a lot halves. better than wing. He can play centre wing fullback. You just put him where he's needed. But we're no where, longer where we're, short. we're no longer forced in this situation to put in a Josh Morris for the sake of it, or yeah. put in Jennings like we did the year before when he was playing New South Wales Cup. We've now got another option yeah. with Hopawade showing that. Uh, Hopawade being back and Hayne now showing how good he can be. In that yeah, position, it's a lot. So. It's a long time away origin, but. Yeah, it looks like we've got some more options there. But yeah, quick wrap on that game. I think you got the you know you got the the gist from the, the get go. New Zealand made an error in their first set, and the Aussies almost scored straight away off the back of that. But uh, you know, early on, two of us are Shek, He was also cleared of an injury. He ends up fracturing his leg. Hayne goes down as well, but finds his way back to his feet and. It was just... Yeah, but he wasn't previously carrying no, an injury either. I'm just saying, it's just... Every, no, every, everything... It, was, it wasn't... Obviously, Sheck wasn't fit. Well, everything... The, the fitness the, test that they did... The Roosters... Obviously didn't test him to the degree that it should have because it was an innocuous tackle that injured him. Well, all scans, tests, and even the Rooster staff were all happy with it. So, at the end of the day, no, no, no one's pointing fingers or angry, but, uh, yeah, he, he's gone down. He's got a fractured leg. He's possibly going to miss the start of the season, so that's a little bit of a blow to them, but... Uh, after that moment, it just kept going the other way. The Australians were just absolutely outstanding. They were very intense. I felt like Smith really controlled the ruck, and a lot of those forwards that I was challenging earlier on, saying they weren't having to go, like your thigh days and all these kind of blokes, they stepped up big time. Yeah, um, just looked like they were waiting for the final, really. Didn't yeah, they? well, as far as controlling Once that... Once we beat England, it pretty much secured us the spot in the final because you were going to play a middle in the semi. Yeah, but the forward so, pack as well was the one thing we were worried about, but I thought... In particular, the little mini line, the ABC defenders in short, we just jammed New Zealand all day. They yeah. never got going. Jared Ray Hargroves, Bromwich, Cassiano, even Sonny Bill. Sonny Bill got rattled a few times, but... I was disappointed in the Kiwi's performance. I think the majority of the rugby league community were, were disappointed. And oh, it was a terrible final. Like no, I, I can't awful. fault the Aussies. Aussies were almost 100%, but yeah. um, you know, you've, you've got to give them the credit that they did that, especially to Johnson as well. Every time Johnson looked to kick open side... The pressure was there that made him put in a little chip or a grubber or some rubbish kind of kick in a small corridor. They just mix it up. Yeah, Isaac Luke got drowned out of the game. They never got any go forward. Uh, probably the only one you looked at, and 
I felt a little bit sorry for was poor old Kevin Locke. He copped a barrage. He did a great job under the high ball, but... I thought he had a great tournament. Yeah. Well, he, he got... Had a really good tournament. He got Dugan in game two, where they were just pinned in their own half. Every time yeah, they were pinned yeah. down there, he just got bombed. Uh, he held off the barrage, but my God. Yeah. He, he got, uh, he's had a lot to play for, too, obviously, with the Tompkins coming to the Warriors, and uh, his spot obviously been under threat, but... Uh, I think for if a club can possibly pick him up, there's talks that New Zealand won't release him. Gold Coast. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter who it is, but mm. he's too good of a player to be playing VB Cup. Yeah, that well, way. I think he proved uh, well and truly. I think he played a lot better than the Tompkins did in the World Cup, so he's got to, he's got to end up somewhere, whether it's a mid-year transfer or something does happen. But some of the tries that Australia scored, that is one thing I've got to touch on. Mm. Uh, you know, you had the little banana kink, that Hayne put in for Cronk, they obviously ended up getting denied. That was for dis- a I believe that was disallowed. Some of the some of the things that came up. And the one thing for me, you talk about the pressure that we built and stopped their forward pack. There was just small moments where they looked like they had a possibility of building any pressure. And they let the valve off. There was one closer to the back end of the half. There, they got possession error and half off multiple errors. They looked really good. They couldn't get any points, but instead of doing what we were doing to them and just burying them all day. Sam Cassiano, who's just been a penalty machine in that tournament, gave away a penalty, marched us down the other end, and uh, the next thing you know, we scored again. Cronk got a try straight after. So the game just seemed that way. Any time they had any opportunity to build pressure against Australia, it didn't happen. But they couldn't absorb pressure. They they didn't turn us away at all either, which maybe early in the game they did a little bit. um, But you can't just keep feeding a quality side chances down your own end, and that's what they did. The scoreline, it could have been more. Oh, Let's face it, you know, like it was a, it was a very one sided game, a disappointing end of the tournament, but and it also just shows you how big of a gap there still is between the best three teams, Australia, New Zealand, and England, and the rest of the tournament, uh, the teams participating. But I thought if you compare the results of this tournament compared to the 2008 version here in Australia, there are a lot closer score lines because I All think around, yeah. international rules changed, obviously, and allowed players to uh, pledge their allegiances to. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe their second country, if you'd like to call it that. Um, and it, it strengthened the tournament. It made the tournament more well, entertaining, that's for sure. My argument for other people that are like, oh, how are they ever going to get better? What do you mean, how are they going to get better? They're training with NRL-quality players and yeah. they've got NRL-quality staff. You think that Ireland or the USA or any of them are going to be even close to that standard on their own? Well, then you're kidding yourself. You need to have these players get that opportunity to lift the tournament up. And I think they cut a decent profit. They had record, uh, you know, ground attendances, and even the final they had seventy four thousand there at Old Trafford, yeah. regardless of the results. So you can't look at it anyway, but a positive. And people that have been knocking, and I've, I've had a little Google of the Rugby Union World Cup. For anyone that says that it's one sided, what about some of the scores in that? Teams yeah. like Georgia and Russia and get to play in that and get beat by ninety. Yeah. So if you want to talk about the pool games being a farce, well, the only, I think the only difference between the rugby league they've World got Cup more top tier sides. Cup is is that the quarterfinals are probably more, yeah, closer contested. But if you get to semi final stage, um, I think they're very similar tournaments. Yeah, pretty much. We've, we've, I, think I think the there's difference probably four or five teams that in we've the got rugby three. World Cup that could win yeah. it. And we've got three. We've got three. I think Fiji have they've made good progress between now and the last World Cup. I know we pounded them in the end, mm. but uh, they really showed some grit. Um, in the games they played against the the uh, higher ranked sides, and um, they've actually got you know now a lot of players coming over from Fiji playing in the NRL. So yeah, that, uh, PSG were probably the obvious one that that disappointed. Um, that were seen, I guess, in the two thousand and eight tournament. They were ranked. They were in pool A, mm-hmm. um, 
and, and seen probably as the fourth ranked side in the world but they've slipped away a little bit obviously losing some experience in Seguiara not being there but um, I just think you know it, the best competition in the world is played in Australia Yeah. so of course Australia and New Zealand and, and you know the second best competitions in England that's that's naturally where the best teams are going to be located and whatever you think of international rugby league it's it is what it is. I, I love it. I, I, I like the World Cup. Yeah, well, you, it extends a footy you tell season. Me no World Cup or World Cup, and especially tell the players no World Cup. Yeah, they enjoyed it. They love it. They get to go to Europe. Uh, it's the same deal when it's over here. A lot of players that are foreign get to come over here. The experience yeah, is a once in a lifetime. For, for some players to well, look be at the, seen. the Americans. We've had a few. Yeah, we've had a few that have been signed at NRL clubs out yeah. of as a result of their performances in those pool games for teams that you know that we may not have seen. You know other than at the World Cup. So. Exactly, but there's guy, there's a couple, especially from the USA, that have all been picked up by NRL clubs, yeah. so uh, I, I can't knock the concept. Someone like Mark Offerdale, like, I mean, I, I knew who he was because he was my age coming through the ranks. Hmm. You know, I'd never heard, I didn't even realise he was still playing. Yeah, well... The, um, and then look at the performances he pumped out. He played awesome. Talks of Jesse Joe Nandai, the back row for PNG, had a really good tournament. Uh, another one, Beretta Faramo, he got signed by Parramatta. Yeah. He was playing a bit of like cup football for a few years there. So there's plenty of others, names that have been bandied around as yeah. far as what you hear and what you don't because they're not top 25 signings. But as far as off-season training or any deals like that, you wouldn't have a clue. But, but probably some in the World Cup up. We both enjoyed it. Um, yeah, you know, we, it got to the point where we expected it to. We expected New Zealand to play England. We weren't really sure who Australia were going to play. I think I think we probably both tipped. I think Tonga to go through to that game, but that didn't eventuate. Uh, Fiji yeah, yeah. made their way through. Uh, it was clear that Australia were going to beat whoever that was. The final we thought would be a flip of the coin. It was a disappointment, but yeah. all in all, I think you know improvements. They could probably just shorten it a little bit, um, but other than that, I, I was pretty happy with how the tournament. I, the differences in the groups, the numbers in the groups, I didn't like that. Yeah, you've got to sort I, that out. Yeah, it's I, got to be straight 16 if they're going to do four pools. You can't yeah. have odd numbers. Yeah. They've got and to cut through the out. pools. Like, you know, no, no offence to the poor old Cook Islands. You know, Wales were pretty poor this time around, but they need to have a somewhat of an outside tournament like they usually do to qualify, but they needed 16. They needed four even groups, two to qualify from each group, and they needed to seed it a lot better. Because yeah. look at Tonga. They, fi- they figured out that weather too late. You look at their third game when they beat up on Italy, it showed you that they should have been I did say through. that in the preview, that I was concerned about the island teams in, in the wet conditions, and, the, the, and yeah. even the Cook Islands, they struggled. But like I said, that third game showed you that they probably should have qualified, but, but they left it too late. You know? I'm not going to go into criticising people, but no. that, that comes back to, you know, preparation-wise, that it should be something to be addressed compressed prior to... Compress the tournament a little bit more. Yeah. I think 16, you've got to have even numbers, two qualify from each, and break those teams up. You want to give... Tonga and Italy should have both been somewhere in the mix. Fiji should be around in another group with PNG. And then you've got, obviously, England, New Zealand, Australia, and one other side, like a Scotland who surprised you. They all need to be somewhat separated so you can yeah. try and push all those through and have that, you know, much more... I wouldn't even mind, you know, and this is probably going a little bit off track, but if you said you are going to have 16 teams, um, you have the top four teams in each pool, they qualify for the World Cup semi-finals. You have this, the teams that finish second in each pool, maybe the World Plate, and then maybe the World So you're going with the seven, yeah, the seven kind it. of thing. They do cup, bowl, yeah, and plate. Yeah, I, I like that. So it all kind of plays on. And everyone's sort of playing someone at their own ability. I, the quarterfinal stage for me was a, just disappointing. Yeah, well, you know it was you coming. Knew, it was yeah, some absolute bloodbaths on the cards. The only real game you were looking at was France, Samoa and France or whatever. Samoa, Fiji. Yeah. And France, England, 
ended up being closer than what we thought, but still, yeah. side who we thought would win did. Um, game of the tournament, probably the New Zealand-England game. That was a cracker. England, <laughs> Jesus, what do you say? That? That's uh, that's going to... That's going to hurt for a lot of those English players, you know, your James Robies, your Kevin Sinfield, your said it probably James Graham. They're not going to have another World Cup. Well, I said it before it all started. Halves are the difference. They played us and threw the kitchen sink, couldn't get the job done, and they threw the kitchen sink at New Zealand and didn't get the job done. Well, that was their best halves combination, though. Yeah. I know oh, no, they played Sinfield. Both, both times, there, yeah. But, both um, times. It's proved, proved 100%. Halves are the difference. They yeah, got they good forward pack. They got better backs than what they did. They've got a gun fullback. They got a good nine, but they don't have halves. Yeah. They don't have a pairing that can compete with well, the Kiwis or compete with us. They do have halves, but they didn't select like Danny no. Bruff. How Danny Bruff wasn't? Um, yeah, well, look, the they've given half. up. They've given up the goal. They, he won their bloody Dalian player, and they still can't afford to pick him. But yeah. this also goes back to us giving him a bit of they stick. Picked bloody Rob Burrow. Yeah, but this goes back to me and you sticking to Steve McNamara. Look what he's done again. Yeah. He's neglected him. He's crushed the car. He's neglected the Dalian player in their comp who's also, you know, dominated in previous years and dominated again with a side that's not part of their upper echelon over there. Yeah. He's clearly a class above a lot of the halves over there. So if you, you can bend the rules to pick him, even if he is Scottish, well, they should have taken him. Yeah. And he proved it with the way he played for Scotland. He yeah. completely gave away any opportunity when he let Danny Bruff play for Scotland. Yeah. So, yeah, in summary, though, that final, Australia was just ridiculous. Some of the tries, that one for Josh Morris in the second half, as dangerous as the landing was, the one-time volley off Haynes' boot. Yeah, that's um, probably the other thing. I can't believe that they allowed it to go on like that. There should have been bloody high jump mats all around the though. ground. How about, how about that try, though? Oh, it was a cracker the try. How dangerous was the, was the field? Ridiculous, but they do that every year for the finals there. Clint Newton, who's now representative for the Players Association, has come out and said that they've got an investigation launched there. So. Oh, an investigation? Yeah, there's got to be an investigation. <laughs> Yeah, so, should be into it. Uh, yeah, the, the Players Association's onto it, and him being a former player now, yeah. retired after the World Cup. Well, he's obviously still playing for Newcastle. I doubt he'd be playing much first grade. But... What about um, Timmy Shane's? Timmy Shane's. Yeah, do you well, think he'll go around again? Or it's well, he's saying now that he, he, well, he obviously he wants to go back and coach in the NRL. Who takes that job though? If if you're not, if he's gone, I'm not giving it to Dave Ferner. Probably Mal Meninga. No. Well, Mal's still got Queensland, so what? You give him two jobs. Give it to Cardi. Give it to Cardi. <laughs> give it to Stephen Kearney. He can take that job. Uh, well, realistically, the way you're looking at it now... It has to be someone who's not... It's, that's what I mean. It's, it's another one of these jobs now where you have to be separate. So you'd think that it might be uh, like a high-level assistant. Neil Henry, someone like that. Yeah, or if not, it's got to be someone who gets the sack this year or comes out of the job, and anything it's around It's crazy that. how you get a, get the sack from an NRL job and you get the, the Well, look at Stephen Kearney. He's been the New Zealand coach forever. He bombed out at Paramount a big time. Yeah. Now he's running water for Brisbane, so it's some good time, Steve. Yeah. But overall, that final... Those Malcolms. I don't know how you can sum it up any better than just everything. The one percenters, the kicking game was completely dominant. Uh, they won the ruck. They won line speed, kick chase. And I think I said to you, the biggest thing was the transition. They didn't slack on either side of the ball. They were as good on offense as they were on defense, the Australians, for pretty much the whole game. And Jonathan Thurston, clearly the player of the tournament. Yeah, well, he, he got player of the series. And the Australians, after that English game, conceding a try of four minutes to go, they went five, was it four, four games after that? 404 minutes without conceding a try. Yeah. So five games after that without a try, plus a few minutes in that last game. 404 minutes, they just ridiculous. Well, there's talk, you know, NRL gossip that if... Shane Flanagan receives a ban from Asada similar to James Heard that Timmy Sheens may come in and coach Granola for the year. Well, 
How's that going to work? He yeah. likes to throw the pill around. He doesn't like to play prison football. Yeah. The Sharks are built on prison football. Knows. I don't know how he's going to turn that one around. Maybe Paul Gallen might to finally get play 5-8 like he wants to. Yeah. He steals enough pill off Todd Carney to show that he wants to be that way. But uh, We'll leave the World Cup behind. Moving on into some issues and news and happenings around the game the last couple of weeks. Probably number one, I suppose, is uh, the player discipline. Obviously, a lot of people out there saying, oh, I don't care. It's their off-season. That's all well and good. I'm with you as far as their off-season, but you can't be getting in punch-ons and doing stupid shit. You can get on the drink, you can have a bit of fun, but you can't be starting fights because you're still contracted. Yeah. And you're, you're under a code of conduct, so it doesn't matter whether it's your off-season or not. You can't go act like a dickhead in public. If you've got any respect or any... Um, you value your career, whether you're a rugby league player or whatever profession you're in, if you're a professional and you value your career, you don't go getting in fights full stop. No. Um, if you are going to have... A few too many sherbets, and we're probably all guilty of that from time to time. There's a time and place to do that. Yeah, There's certain environments in which to do that. Put yourself in the right company. Make um, sure you've got a way to get home and never get isolated. That's probably the biggest time you're always end up in trouble when you end up on yeah. your own. So I just think, you know, and these guys, these guys are weapons. I mean, they're, they're physical specimens. They don't understand the power, strength, ferocity that they could they possess, and they can hurt people when they get in fights. And it's going to come to a point where someone's going to, you know, look at Craig Field. Mm. Craig Field punches a bloke, kills him. John Hopawade punched a bloke, almost killed him, I think. I mean, it's going to get to the point where someone's going to be up on a murder charge mm. because they're just out acting like clowns. Well, um, I, I don't think, I think NRL players, egos, like, we, you know, we know it. Egos float around in footy, um, you know, in all sorts of yeah, areas alcohol, of rugby league. And alcohol and Alcohol egos. amplifies that and... It's just the last thing that, that these players need. So, Well, let's sum up who's obviously... We've got Remy Matua. Uh, his issue, from the way he described it, was he barely touched the taxi driver. So I didn't yeah. I didn't hear anything too much after that. I still haven't heard anything. All the news we've been getting, though, is pretty much because this is his fourth or fifth uh, with the drug bans, with any other previous actions, that regardless... And you think also with Raylene Castle now wanting to stamp her authority... Mm. Well, pretty much everything, every sign is pointing, even if he has just bloody give this bloke a Chinese bird in the taxi, that he's going to get the same. He's still done the wrong thing. So, yeah, yeah, multiple, you know... Multiple times in the wrong. That's pretty much what we're hearing, that he's going to be getting the sack. Russell Packer, this is probably the big one from the Integrity Unit, a four-year deal with Newcastle, not registered Yeah. after his little stoush. He's obviously got to wait to go to court. Well, so. He got in a punch on as well, didn't he? Yeah. In a punch up. So he, he was occasioning bodily I mean, harm but when you like when that. you chuck a leak on the field and you go That's out it. on the cans, of course someone's going to say something. Well, I'll stick by my theory that Wayne Bennett loves signing roughies. He's got Smith and all yeah. Bo Scott and all these kind of blokes that kind of have that rough outer exterior and now he's got Rusty Packer I don't know how they come to the conclusion unless they got him on the cheap that he was a good option for them they did need a front row or some younger legs in their forward pack but now they've been denied the registration that's probably going to be more of a Blake Ferguson situation it's going to come down to the court result whether he will get registered Yeah. so now they're in limbo as far as a front rower um, I think this is his first misdemeanour in that regard off field yep. but as to what happens well you know it's going to come down to the court but I, I will applaud the integrity unit, I hope they've got the same attitude with Blake Ferguson once they get the result there. If you do something like this, you shouldn't be playing in the NRL. No, agreed. It's agreed. A, and uh, there's, there's plenty of good young kids that play 20s or Harold Matthews, SG Ball, that are coming through the grades that probably, they deserve a chance. They're doing the right things. Mm. So, I mean, if there's knuckleheads up above that uh, want to throw their career down the, uh, the gurgler, let yeah. them do it and give these other kids a go. Well, this um, is probably the more, you know, 
dissatisfying one out of that is two young blokes that are, again, at first we heard there was nothing to it. That was Dylan Walker from the Rabbitohs and a young bloke who's just joined the Bulldogs from the Rabbitohs, Tyron Phillips. He's a 19-year-old uh, Aussie schoolboy, New South Wales junior. He'll be playing at the Dogs. He's got a top squad deal now. They were both supposedly yeah. uh, also in an altercation. Had a not- yeah, it was a good one, that one. Slipped out, but they were also supposedly in an altercation at a nightclub. Yeah. So, from what we're hearing here, the Bulldogs on that side of things, because he's a first time offender, um, if things are as they were and it seems like there wasn't too much in it, he will be given a slap on the wrist and a warning. But pretty disappointing that you've just got a top score deal and you put yourself in that spot. And Dylan Walker, I'm sure, once they obviously get the full feedback and the integrity unit, uh, you know, solves what's going on, that Michael Maguire won't be too happy if there's anything found to uh, have been happening there. Yeah. Seeing as though he's brought him in as a 19-year-old, he's just signed a three-year deal and he runs a pretty tight ship as well. Yeah, and so he should. He knows what it takes to win. and Just, yeah, I've, I've probably said all I needed to say on it. It's just you're yeah. throwing your career down the road um, and you shouldn't just not go out. I mean, if you want to be at the top of your peak performance, that's what you paid for. Um, well, my should be out on the cans and acting like a loud anyway. You just need to be smarter about it. Don't get caught on your own. Make sure you've got a decent group of people there. That's the one, all the times I've been out or any time you look at a lot of them when there's no issues, they all stay in big groups. They go out, they take care of each other and you go home. Hmm. Don't get caught out being the dude who's out at 4am on your own or with two or three blokes that aren't contracted to play first grade with you that will cause trouble because it's generally when you get hooked in with those kind of people, they're the ones that drag you down. Yeah, They're not in the same situation as you. They don't have as much to lose, but... Uh, probably on the more pressing issues, I suppose we've got the Milford supposedly signing a deal with the Broncos in 2015 and the Raiders announcing that he would be returning, but he's come out and said, uh, what the bloody hell is going on here? He said, Hang on a minute, Ricky. Uh, I'm not coming back. I'm going to, I'm going to be up at Brisbane regardless. So, well, I'm, I don't know. We might tip for the spoon. Again, we don't, we don't know what's going on. Is he sitting the year out? Is he playing? Well, um, from, from what I read out of the quotations in that article, I... I read it as though Anthony Milford will either be playing at the Broncos next year or he will be having the year off. You know the way I'd be putting it, and I've said this to a lot of people at work or that have whinged about me that are Broncos and Raiders supporters, there's only one way to solve this. If he's going to be taking the year out, if you're Canberra, surely you don't let him play for you if he doesn't want to. That's a waste of time. On top of that, you're giving him NRL development before you hand him off to another club, so that's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. I'd be more inclined to say, all right, let's do exactly what you did with Ben Barber and the Bulldogs. I want 300 or 250, whatever this contract is he's got a year left on, because it's a top score deal, pays the compensation, you can have the player. Yeah. And at or least, say, Josh Hoffman, do you want to go to Canberra? He doesn't. So that's one. That's okay. that's the one that we're going to get onto next. But in this situation, that's the best outcome. If you rest him for a year, yeah. you've got you zero. just double what he's on. Yeah, but you've got zero out of it. And then if you play him and you try and force the hand like they are, well, what are you doing? You're giving him more NRL development before you hand him off to Yeah, Brisbane. yeah I understand that. So just, I'd be sitting down and saying... Yeah, but if I'm Canberra, say he's on 300 a year, I'd say give us 600, you can have him. Well, I'd want the fee exactly like they did with Barber. I'd say you can go because you've got a bad attitude and you don't want to be here, but we want I'd something. also say that he's not allowed to play against us. Well, that's what I mean. Do something yeah. to make it beneficial. Don't let him sit a year out and waste it or don't develop him at your club when you've got to... You know, move on. They need to worry about Cornish and all these other blokes. Instead, they're still trying to force him to yeah, stay. Yeah, He's already gone. So stop worrying about it. I think it. Ricky Stewart thinks that they can win the comp. Well, all I can say is why you're chasing or trying to do everything you can to hold on to a dude for a year that you're not even going to have, move on. Start working with Cornish and uh, Macron, any of these bloody options you've got. You need to start working with that. You need to separate. Yeah. Get what you can out of You can get 300 or 250 or whatever a transfer fee. Do that. 
do yourself some favour. Don't let him sit out for the year and just make it a big boiling issue. Uh, Josh Hoffman's the other one. We don't know what's going on there either. He Supposedly all the Bulldogs and the Kiwis team with him were in his ear. They want him to come down. Supposedly he's keen to come down. Griffin says he's not going anywhere, so all they've got is a super expensive $400,000 winger. Mm. So, same deal again. What's he thinking? If you're going to be getting Milford and Barber, what are you doing having him on the wing? I think it may depend on... If he gets Milford, you'll probably find that Brisbane will let him go. Well, they still reckon regardless he's not going anywhere until the deal's done. That'd be stupid. Again, I think they're in a situation where they need to do what the dogs did to them and say, okay, we want a fee. Yeah. Simple. It's just a bunch of swapsies. But make, make sure you get something out of it. Instead of dragging out the media and pulling everybody down, I don't know why they don't just say, well, if, if this isn't going to work out for anyone, bang, that's he's got 400 left on his deal, similar to Barber's so deal. this is why I can't understand we don't have a draft, and this is why I can't understand we don't have a trade window. Mm. Because and then at least I could say, right... Well, it's like Locke. You want, you want Locke Kevin Locke, right I want AB, your best 220s players. Yeah, I want the money, whatever. Same Done. deal. Or, yeah, or cash or... You know, I want your first round draft pick next year. That's, that was it's, virtually the AFL does it so much better than us. That was the barber deal. The barber deal was you can have him the year early on compassionate grounds. This is all well and good, but we're not paying. We're not letting him go for free, and the last year of his contract, you'll cover it. So, which is what they did. Yeah, I don't know how in this situation, if you get those two, and he doesn't want to be there, and you're wasting him on the wing. Why don't you part ways, pick up the four hundred for the Bulldogs to pay for him for free, and then get back on the market? Yeah. It's just, it just seems logical. I'd love to see a draft. Bring in a draft. I don't know about the draft, but I think I agree with the trade window and or transfers. Like mm. players that get stuck saying, I want to put in a transfer and see what they can do. Yeah. If a club can go, okay, well, he's up for grabs and put an offer I'm to somebody. make some moves, yeah. And say, okay, well, we've got a Australian schoolboys halfback. If, you know, you're a club that's got somebody like a Cronk or a Thurston, obviously probably not that far along, or a club like uh, the Tigers that have got Brooks. If he's a gun in two or three years' time and you've got a kid that you know is going to be stuck behind him, You've got trade, trade bait off. there for someone else. Trade to go, off. okay, we've got already got that position sorted. We'll yeah. try and get pick up another need. Yeah, I think it's it'd make it add extra element to the game mm. and, and an extra element of intelligence. People have to be intelligent about the moves they make. At the moment, I think there's not much thought process behind um, recruitment. But, but you look at the clubs that do it the best, and and they're up the top of the competition. Mm. There's no, uh, you know. No mistaking why they're there, that's mm. for sure. Especially, you know, you look at Penrith, where they've gone from and where they were and where they are now and where they're going to be in terms of their recruitment. And they've moneyballed it. Yeah, they have, basically. Picked up bits and pieces. Uh, you look at Melbourne every year, they build around yeah, those Melbourne. couple of big names, but you look what they bring in, it's the same deal. Yeah, right. Well, mainly, up, mainly exactly yeah, the same. Picking up pieces Incredible. that can complement, you know, the good parts that you've got, and you know that you can get enough out of them to put yourself up there at the upper echelon. And Nick Pilatus, he's got a bundle of cash bigger than Walter White, <laughs> so he just throws it around really nearly. Oh, Mr. White. <laughs> but uh, the only other thing I suppose we've got here is the Molten injury. There hasn't been any other significant injuries in the off-season yet that we've heard of, but yeah. uh, Timmy Molson, possibly you've heard three months, I've heard six months. Yeah. As far as that knee injury, is this a big blow for the Tigers or not? I'm no offence to them. I still see them struggling a little bit next year, having such a young side. But uh, poor old Timmy Moulton can't really take a trick. This is uh, his fourth injury with yeah. his knees in a couple of years. Well, he shattered so. his he shattered his um, yeah, kneecap. kneecap. So I, you know, it's going to be at least three months. Mm. Put it that way. So you'd, you'd probably think you'll see him a month or two into into next season. But well, potentially. Then, then where is he at in terms of? Um, Oh, well, confidence, know. fitness, all these kinds of things. But potentially that was what Potter was thinking for the half. So 
now does that mean Anasta is in that spot or is Blake Austin looking at that spot and I Mick suppose Potter, Mick Potter uh, Tim Moulton's too young to retire well well, after all those injuries, injuries you've had. Nick Kosseff was one who popped up the other day in support of him. And I was going to say, talk to Nick Kosseff about busting your knees up. Yeah. He knows a bit about it. So I'm in a situation here from the Tigers. No offence, if this was the end of his contract, there's no way I could keep him on. It'd be minimum wage or a second-tier contract or something because he's really, really had a bad trot. But yeah. you can't, obviously, sympathetically pour money into somebody who's barely played games over the last three seasons. Yeah. So sad situation for them there. Uh, the only, Well, I suppose the only two things we've got left... Uh, the Cameron Smith, is he going, is he staying? We, we don't know too much there. And Blake Ferguson, is his contract going to get registered? Uh, I The Ferguson one obviously depends on the court case. Uh, the Smith, Smith thing, we sort of disagree. I, I think Melbourne will give him as much time as he needs. I, th- um, I think they'll give him time, but there's there's got to be a limit. Like, you, you can't, we can't be holding off until the well, back end the of the year. Con- the decision. When did that happen? That was April, I think. That May. was earlier in the year. We were before round ten, which is what I mean. Before that middle of the year, where I think you'll find that Smith will will uh, will make a decision before Origin. I think he will too. I think he's that kind of bloke where he would do the favour. But as far as how long it can go, I don't think we can go past the middle point. Of well, the, the year. conversation we had, and, and I'll stick by it. I think that Melbourne would be mad to force him into a decision. No, and that's, what that's that was my only point. What I was getting at is I don't think they're forcing him, but I think they've pretty much laid it out there saying, look, I think you understand how much is going to be tied up in this deal for us. And, you know, he's a pretty significant player. I, I don't think they're going to pay what he's asking. I think we, we've got some exemptions saying we've had him for a long time, but I'm sure they'd like to know that if someone leaving worth that much money and that much to their team, they want to have the best possible opportunity to make moves, I think. Yeah. So they won't be forcing him, but I'm pretty sure they'll be, you know... At least, I'm sure even he knows. He'd be good enough to be able to know what they've done for him over the last 12 years to go, OK, I'm, I'm going to have my little downtime, I'm going to have my break, I'm going to come back, and then I'm going to try and sort my future out yeah. as soon as possible. So we're all sort, sorted, you know? Yeah. So Well, the the other one is obviously the, you know, the Asada investigation. Yeah, the That's sharks. still just... It's been almost a year. It's been nine months. Well, what were we hearing? A million-dollar fine was what it was, and fleeing in to end up in a herd-like situation. Obviously, we're not... A hundred percent sure yet, but financially, uh, where does When's that it put them? Be, when is it going to be finalised? Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm a bit crazy, uh, bit over it, but it obviously needs to be decided. I think the only person I've heard come out and speak about it was uh, Todd Greenberg, and he was pretty much saying, "As long as it takes, as long as it takes." But it's yeah. or it's already taken too long. It has because if it then creeps into next season, you're then looking at bans from Christ knows how long ago, and they're going to impact on. The results this season, it just it's it's really messy at the moment. I think this all needs to be nutted out and finalised, book closed in the filing cabinet before we even look at next season. So I think at latest by the end of January, mid February, it has to be finalised. Well, I think full summary is I'm more interested in anything to see if the players cop any bans, if the coach, like you said, is in any trouble, and also we already know their financial situation. If the fine is around the maximum, which we know is a million dollars, how will this affect the Cronulla Sharks? Yeah. Speaking of Cronulla, what about Bryce Gibbs? Bryce Gibbs retired. And then he come back. He said, he just walks up to train and goes, I'm back. Yeah, well, Eric Grove retired and come back too, so they're they're loading up on that kind of thing. Oh, wow. The only one we've got here left, we touched on it before, before we move on. Matty Schrama. Yeah, well, Matty Schrama's one. Will he be moving? Will he be going? As far as... They're saying he's on East, well, he's come out and said he's unhappy. Graham Manersley's come out and said, well, well I didn't we, know We've that. got him contracted. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what I read yesterday, that he's not going anywhere. But all the indications, the way they're speaking, they've almost just shafted him. He's going to the bench or he's... He's a little midget. 
Like he's he's been hurt, but when he's plays, I like him. He tries hard. He's your future. There's not many. Uh, there's not many players in the NRL that are that small and well. I think they should. As Matty I think they should take two things on board, and that's that two of the big two of the clubs that came out and took interest immediately were Brisbane and Melbourne. Yeah. So I think the Gold Coast should maybe go, okay, if Brisbane and Melbourne are looking at Matt Trauma, maybe we should be a little bit smarter. Yeah, they're not that smart, mate. I'm yeah. telling you. Not saying that, you know, they're either them are going to find a 10-year future in him, but when clubs like that are giving you an interest in your player, yeah. that should give you an idea that, you know, he's a pretty decent quality. But I, I don't know what they're thinking. I know he's had some injuries, but I think you need to persist with him. What about the hybrid game that was in yesterday's paper? The hybrid game? I think it's a stupid idea. I, I reckon it's ridiculous. And, and mainly because I'm telling you, when I played sevens one time at school, I forgot every time that a ruck was on when I went to play the ball and just got stomped. Yeah. They were saying that it was going to be yeah, rugby half. league in your own half, and then when you get out halfway, you got to form a ruck. But I couldn't... I couldn't why I wouldn't, wouldn't that change? Why, why wouldn't that change at half time? Why well, wouldn't it then be rugby league get, in the Why yeah, couldn't you play it. one half of each instead of complicated? In, 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 in the mojo, in the moment, I'd be trying to stand up and play the footy again and just get dived on by about 12 giants. Yeah. They should have a 13 a side half and then a 15 a side half and we just have to adjust to it. It's just dumb. It's dumb. Or vice versa. Two different games. Play a two, ga- play a two game series. Play one game of each. We'll just see what happens. They've got to be smarter about That's it. stupid. Mixing the games in. You may as well chuck AFL in there as, as if well. there's not enough bloody football being played as is without no, another freaking game. We may as well just mix Christ, uh, so. AFL in there as well. We'll have it every time. Instead of having a scrum, we'll have a ball up. We'll, yeah. we'll smash the ball on the ground. Everyone can jump up and for I'll it. I'll tell you what. We all, all the uh, NRL fans whinge about how bloody dead shit boring rugby union is. So why, why the hell do we want a hybrid game? Exactly. Doesn't interest me at all. What bother? What's our, what else we got on the agenda here? Well, after all that, pretty much summed up. The only thing we didn't touch on was the Ferguson one, but that's straightforward. Uh, we're yeah, here. It's going to depend on the court. We're case. here in South Sydney. Everything that's been said is pretty yeah, much. If he, if they'll register a contract, he's going to it's hundred percent South. They're all lying, saying nothing, and there's been a little bit of talk of here, there, I don't and know everywhere. Why they but they to say yeah. They've said the Warriors and the Sharks, but I think we all know it's going to be South Sydney. But the court case will decide that. So if he is cleared. You can probably see him going there. We're hearing that it'll be more third-party money. They're going to try and keep it off the books in case something does happen. So pretty smart by them. But, wow, you'd have to think this brings them up to that next level, even though they've lost a few. If they can get a quality centre in like that, which we thought was a lacking position, yeah, that puts them in a good spot. Because next year, really, and I've already said it, is the year. They've gone two years. They've fallen off the bandwagon. They need to get a result next year, South. Otherwise, yeah, they're going to slightly start to get closed. stripped apart. So. Uh, the Penny Panthers... The number one sporting franchise valued money-wise in the country? On assets. I Excellent. Think, I think we both spoke about it. Go to the pennies. They own a lot. It means I should get a pay rise, surely. Get a pay rise. <laughs> but as far as their rating was concerned, and we talked about that, as far as management and all the rest of it, they're turning that around uh, slowly but surely. That number's only going to increase. They don't have that rating like the other sides yet, but that was their biggest issue, and that's been solved uh, slowly but surely from the inside out. Yeah. So I think uh, there was six rugby league teams or five rugby league teams in the top 20. Obviously, uh, I think it was six, but obviously the AFL dominates. Membership's a big part of that. We yeah, don't really have that. second, Dogs third, West Coast fourth, Hawthorne fifth, Geelong sixth, Carlton seventh, Fremantle eight, Essendon nine. So. Yeah, goes on and on, but I'm pretty sure they said six rugby league teams. Parramatta was in there. Good on you, Parra. Parry, yeah. At least you're ranked in something. That's, it's good to know. Yeah, but, yeah but um, it's still down the bottom. Yeah, but we've got the the World Cup wrap-up. That's all kind of punched out of the way. We've put any issues and happenings around the game out of the way, so we'll chuck a quick ad in here now, and we'll come back. Brock chucked up some fan forums the other day just for any questions that may be lingering before we sign off and have a couple of months' break. So uh, have a quick break, and we'll jump back in and get any new questions. 
for all the latest rugby league gear, head into Leagues and Legends, now based at Shell Harbour, Mount Druitt Westfield and Campbelltown Mall Store. Or check them out online at www.nrlstore.com.au. Fifth and last listeners, you can receive free delivery on any 2013 adult NRL jersey. Be quick, jersey selling fast. Remember, www.nrlstore.com.au. Leagues and Legends. Alrighty, fan forum, what have we got? Uh, Jordan Ridgewell, do you love the Cowboys as much as I do? I think not. Well, Jordan, we're not even going to respond to that, you knucklehead. Alright, the Cowboys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I love the Cowboys last year, and they burned me by finishing eighth spot and getting... They got robbed in the first week, but they shouldn't have been in that position anyway. But I'll be interested to see what happens with Paul Grant at the helm. So I'll leave it at that. I don't love the Cowboys at all. (laughs) Kenneth Barrington. Will Blake Ferguson go to the Rabbits, and is he the missing link? They need to win a premiership. They definitely needed a centre. That's yep. for sure. Uh, you know, Bryson Goodwin probably goes to a wing. He did play. He, he did play for New Zealand, but still, yeah, but they, they didn't really have too many. Set- Varo was their gun centre and a very good centre, but besides that, they had Inu and him to pick from. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think he's a big piece in helping them in that position, particularly defensively. Ferguson's very aggressive in defence in the centre spot. Uh, David Boyle, he's fired through a few questions. He's always a good contributor. Uh, will Canberra have a shocker of a season, or can Ricky live up to his paycheck? I think they will go terribly. I think he's already upset the apple cart there. And um, If you have a look at what he did at Parramatta, it was very similar. <coughs> results just weren't there. Obviously, he's probably got a better roster. But... Uh, he's, got a, he's got a better roster. But I think Parramatta are probably in a, on, on an upswing with some of the young yeah. kids they bought and some of the juniors they blooded next year. He should have hung around, to be honest. Yeah. Plus, Opawada, and people forget if Loco's healthy. Yeah. I'm looking at Canberra, besides last year, getting Vaughan kind of into first grade. and they, Like a lot of those younger guys besides him, there was Ferguson and Dugan, they're both gone. Croker's had some injury problems. They've re-signed a lot of other kids, but they've put way too much pressure already on Branko Lee and Jack Ahern and all these guys. They're not going to be instant successes in first grade. Yeah. And they've got an ageing forward pack, that the likes of Leroy Lars and Shillington, Tilson, Brett White. So, uh, you know, no hooker either. Yeah, he, he's, yeah, they're going to yeah. struggle. He, he's, he really needs to really. And it's mm. what, <clears throat> December? Well, uh, good kids, but as far as the top top side of that squad is concerned, uh, they need to clean out a bit, I think. I agree. Uh, David Bull again, uh, thoughts on the Broncos this season? They're my team. Um, bias, I know, but would still like to hear other thoughts. Still. Uh, because his mates put shit on him all the time? Well, he also wants to know our state of origin predictions. Well, For I me, think... I think the Broncos. <clears throat> there you go. They'll finish outside the eight. I think, again, they're in pretty much the same spot. They've got a good forward pack. Uh, you know, they've got a million back rolls. But if he shares time with McCulloch again, which if he does, he's an idiot. Um, I don't think he's got halves. I know Hunt was there and he wasn't too bad at the back end of the year. But who's partnering up with him? Like, you know, is Hoffman going to get pushed out of the way yeah. for Barber? Are they going to play Barber as a six? Are they, gonna, they were talking about putting Hoffman at six for Christ's sake. Yeah. And if, are they going to get Milford? I think a lot relies on whether they get Milford and they get to hold on to Hoffman. And you got to remember they don't have Justin Hodges. And regardless of how old and he is, are he's... they going to play Andrew McCulloch at nine? 
Well, not is I'm looking at their back line as the problem right now. If Yarrow Yao Yi is not healthy and they're saying he's going to play some off-season games, I don't think he'll be close to what he was. Mm. How long does it take Hodges to come back? And then Until who? He's tough and who else have you got? Yeah. They really, they kids, really but... struggle when he left. Corey Oates played a right off a wing, but yeah. he's not Justin Hodges. No. And he's not Yao Yao Yi of three years ago. So I'm looking at the back line at the moment Alex thinking... Alex probably have to play centres. And he's not really a great attacking centre. He's a good plug. Jack Reed. Yeah. But still, even him, he's had his concerns. I'm not really Jack Reed's biggest fan. But no. I, I think the biggest concern for them, with everyone on deck, is still a halfback. Yeah. I don't know if they've got the control on the halves to make them get into the eight. Uh, I, hope, I hope they prove me wrong because they're a side that should be in the top eight. But I, I look at that one spot and that just stares out at me by a country more. Uh, state of origin, I think. Well, Queensland have got two home games, so it's going to be awfully hard for us to win. <clears throat> yeah, I'm pretty much with you on that one. I think. Uh, I'd like. I'd, I think uh, you know, Cronk, Smith, Slater, you know, Thurston. They're eventually going to slow down. But, oh, I, I, don't I feel know. better. I feel better knowing that we put Cordner in, that we put Fafita in. Uh, but I still think the top end of the... the We've got Cherry Evans and Papali. So yeah, if that's what I mean. The done. only thing I see in our favour, like I said before, is now the fact we've got Hayne playing the way he did. There's Ferguson. Look, we need Ferguson. We need Hayne. We need Dugan. And now we've got Hoppawato. We've got a potential chance to be able to suit up in the back line formally. But yeah. who's going to you know grab someone in, in the inappropriate parts? Who's going to get on the piss? Who's going to get injured? That's the real issue. Mm. I still think Queensland, I'm with you, two home games, I think they get the job done, mm. but... I'm always going to be optimistic and hope the New South Wales win. Well, I think it'll be a decider. I think Queensland will win there. We'll win <coughs> at here, home there. And yeah. it'll go to game home, home final, big advantage. Uh, Andrew Wales, do you think each team should play at least one Monday night game before any team has to play a second? That's I reckon that's a fair call. I know they, the only problem with this, and a lot of people don't understand it, and it's one thing you can't explain, the TV deal doesn't work that way. As much as we'd all like to think that uh, Brisbane aren't going to play 10 Friday night games and Canberra fans get angry because they always cop the early game or the late Saturday game, like the Cowboys seem to always get that 9.30 slot, everything that gets decided is virtually in favour of the the TV deals. They put the money in, they get a big say in what happens. Same as the Sunday games and the second Friday game, which I hate because the ads, unfortunately, that's where the money comes from. Without the money, the game can't operate. So Mm. it's pretty hard to have a big say on the draw when... They're the ones who are tipping the cash in. Uh, Dave Crellin, where do you see the Panthers finishing? Can Wallace and Soward firm <coughs> winning halves partnership? I still have an issue with the Panthers' halves because of these two, because I don't see either... Well, w- Wallace is not a running threat. Soward's a running threat, but Soward doesn't like to run. Soward, as far as I'm concerned, does not like getting a blade of dirt or touching the grass. I think John... Unless by some miracle or you know bad form or a bad preseason, should be given the right to start at six again until something goes wrong. But I think you'd probably have a better idea than me. But I think they've already got the inkling that John's on the outer in that regard, and that it'll be those two. Mm, I, I don't know. I, I'm biased, obviously. I think they'll push for top four. Um, I think if you look at their roster last year, you look at their roster this year, you look at the injuries they sustained last year, they can't get that bad of a run with injury again. Well, I think um, they make the squads better. I think they make the eight. I think they'll be um, they'll really push for a top four position, but I think a lot will obviously rest on the halves. I what personally, about, I think Soward and John will start the year in the halves. So you think who's the seven though? Soward. I think John will be the seven. Soward will be the six. Well, I look at them purely because that because John last year as the six was great. He runs the ball even for a small bloke. He challenges the line. Jamie Sauer doesn't run unless there's open space. He doesn't take the line on, and Peter Wallace is obviously more a defensive half and just a nice safe kicking game. Yeah, so I think they'll. Um... I think John's got the right 
until he plays bad to start at six. But I, I, I don't know. I have a feeling that they're pretty much leaning towards having Wallace and Seattle to six and seven. They may do. Yeah, I'm not really sure. But all I the weapons. Seen much of the NRL stuff so far this season because we're, you know, for people that aren't from Penrith, we're situated a 25 minute drive away with the 16s as we are to where the 20s and NRL are based. So we don't. We don't sort of run into each other that much in my role there, but um, from what I'm hearing, they, you know, obviously Pete Wallace only just got back from the World Cup, so um, yeah, he, John played the World Cup too. Been, yeah, sorry. So they, you know, you're not really going to get a great indication on it now. Um, I think form will have a lot to do with it. I don't think I don't think Gould and Cleary, um, particularly Cleary, would have a, a you know set in stone right at this minute. I think it'll come down to how they trial. Now, injuries often fix this as well. You know, one of them might get injured in a trial or injured at training. Well, so. Jamie Soward definitely won't get injured. He won't let anyone touch him. So, yeah, I, I think he'll go all right, Jamie Soward. I think the freshen up will do him the world of good. Um, I think they bought him for the right reasons. They didn't buy him to be the player that he was at the Dragons. They bought him for his kicking game um, and his goal kicking. So, uh, you know, it might free him up just to be that natural, flamboyant player that you know we we all saw. Uh, a little bit of potential in, but you know it remains to be seen. The money they paid him, um, he's got a lot to live up to, doesn't he? He's, he's for the money he's on, they're going to want him to push him into the top four. Well, that's what at I'm least the top. I'm, I'm so. still not convinced that he's a top flight first grader. I know he played a game of Origin, but, but, but a winning halves partnership definitely. So, uh, Wallace and Sauer. That structure at the Dragons was almost catered to him to be able to hide and kick and hide in defence and a lot of things. I don't know how if he fits you in. You know, Penrith have like. got a. I think Penrith have got a pretty good squad. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm saying I don't think Ivan Cleary's defensively sort of minded coach. in that way, and I don't blame him for that. I couldn't base my game plan around hiding him so he can kick for me. He's, he's not going to play. I think the game's moving towards it's you know yourself. It's it's high completion. It's field position. It's errors. But look at Penrith. Penrith's front row rotation: Elijah Taylor, Seeker Manu, Matt Robinson, Louis Brown. They got Peachy on the bench. Seguiaro. To me, they're going to be uh, you know get over the top of you on the forwards get those kind of exciting edge players involved, and then you look at the back line last year. Dean Farah and Simmons are almost telepathic with each other. Josh Mansell's a beast. Matty Moylan, I see attacking potential everywhere. I need Jamie Sauer to take the line on and join in with that football. That's what I want. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be hin- him hindering my style of play and going into my shell to try and hide him on kicks and defence. Mm. I think they've got enough weapons there like you to challenge, but... I don't know. He's got a lot to prove to me because I just really don't think he likes physical contact. Yeah. Um, but for me, I've bought my season tickets. I'm looking forward to um, the season ahead at Penrith. Top eight for me. But um, yeah. yeah, I agree. I think they'll push for top four. Uh, Susan O'Connor, Billy Slater versus Greg Inglis, full-back debate. She wants it on again. Oh, God. It's not so much between me and you. I think it's between us and a few followers on the page. Look, I, I think... Um, He's and great. I'm not going to say anything else after this. I'm just going to say the, the World Cup final probably proved Billy Slater's worth. Um, and if you compare, you know, the games that... I know Inglis had some good games leading up to that, but look at the quality of opposition he was playing. Billy Slater was hands down, I thought, apart from Jonathan Thurston in that game, the best Australian player on the field. He made a couple of silly little errors, but, but I still, you need to take the good with the bad with, with Slater. You know, you know my issue with this? It's not an argument of... like Every time this comes up, it's not me... Like an argument going, oh, he, Greg Inglis is worse. I think Greg, Greg Inglis has got the potential to easily be better. He's more naturally talented, but I don't see after a year or two people like he's better. He's knocked a few people over. Billy Slater, 
has been churning out these efforts year after year, year on year, and just has a more complete game at this point in time. Yeah. I love Greg Inglis. Greg Inglis played for Melbourne, so that's the other thing that bothers me when people are like, oh, you're biased. I still love Greg Inglis. Yeah. I, I've still got Greg Inglis up my wall wearing a Melbourne jersey. I'd like to think he'd come back someday, even though he nev- never probably will. But all around, you can't watch a game and tell me that he has anywhere near the involvement. That's why I love Billy Slater. Yeah, Greg, Greg Inglis can do whatever he wants. He can turn a game on his head. He fends across his body. He gets on the high ball. He destroys people. But Billy Don't Slater... do you think fullback, fullback's the hardest position on the field to play? I think yeah. fullback is a, is a role you learn. It's not a role you just jump into. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I think the intricate parts of the game, Billy Slater is much more adept at and I than think what Inglis is. I think Inglis... People are still forgetting that... And the work rate that Slater's got yeah. ahead of Inglis is incredible. And Slater's 30. GI's like 25. So you're going to see even... By the end of his career, Gio might end up being. He will be playing fullback. He, he's going to end up, but I'm saying he might end up being a better fullback. Yeah. But as far as any argument, I don't think you can say in the last like five six years, Billy Slater's the man, and with his knee injuries, he's going to slow down. So it's going to be more and more chance for Gio to overtake him. But the overall package, yeah, in the game, and that's all I'm saying because I still love both of them. It, I mean, if you don't think the same, well, you must be blind. The overall package of them two at fullback, Billy Slater offers more. And and that what the efforts you say at the fullback and it's now. Not, it's not that we don't think Greg, as we said, Greg Inglis is a, is a bad player. Greg Inglis is tremendous. I will say it right now. He's he, he, in my eyes, he is the best player in the world on his day. On his day, yeah. he is better than Sonny Bill. But he, I think week to week, yeah, Billy Slater is probably it. one of the most consistent, the best consistent or most consistent, consistent player fullback. in the game. Yeah. So and I, like I said, I've still got Greg Inglis in my wall in his Melbourne gear. To me, he is the best player in the world on his day. Yeah. He's better than Jared Hayne. He's better than Thurston. He's better than Sonny Bill. He's the best rugby league player in my eyes in the world on his day. Yeah. And by the end of his career, there might be an argument to say. But hopefully, better. we see those days. Yeah. And I want to see more consistently. Because yeah. I, I, I saw bits and pieces at Melbourne this year. I think I saw bits and pieces. It's amazing to watch. But as far as fullbacks go, right now, I still think Billy Slater's got a lot of those intricate areas, like you talked about, covered a lot more. And even with his knee issues, Billy Slater's just there in every single game. Yeah. I, if you want to, if you want to know what we're talking about, get on and. I don't know whether you can get on the internet and watch it, but just go and watch the, I think it was the 07 grand final, Greg Inglis against Manly. It was an incredible game, incredible performance mm. the year after they, they lost the, the grand final. I watch, watch all of 06 when he was a skinny centre for us. Yeah. Watch how much he's, Un- he's involved. Like. Unbelievable. All right, if, we'll move on. Yeah. Um, Gavin Redding, who will win the Golden Boot? Um, he's, he's narrowed it down to SBW or JT. Um, which is better, you know, playing well in Origin and the World Cup or the Premiership? And he's Ooh. probably saying that Sonny Bill was better throughout the Premiership. Sonny Bill was probably, in all those areas, was probably better. He was good during the year. Um, you know, he won a lot of man match what He turned games on the head. And I know they didn't win the final, but in the World Cup, he was pretty good as well. I, um, to me, I, I really don't know who, who you give. I'd, I'd have to lean towards Cronk. Well, I'm telling you right now, it's not bruff. That's... We're done at one. Burgess, it can't be for me. He didn't have... He had a good year, but compared to his standards, those other guys, he didn't have anywhere near the kind of year they did. Smith, always consistent, but I don't think he did anything, you know, that makes him stand out. So if you're going to drag it down to those three, you've got the international... Like the Rugby League International Federation Player of the Year in Sonny Bill. Is that... But is that an you've, award? Are they giving him that award to... To try and encourage him to stay in the game, because I—I don't know, but I like honestly, yeah. off watching his year, I have to. Agree. Oh, he's been incredible. His, in, no, his influence, no but if you go on World Cup season, everything, I think Sonny Bill's probably been the standout as far as consistency is concerned. I know Cronk's very consistent for Melbourne, but I think their little down period hurt him, and even in the World Cup, he chips away and he's very solid. But 
you know, and Thurston. Thurston it was okay during Origin, caught fire afterwards, leading the the Cowboys in. But the whole, the whole you know, the overall year, if you're going to get all that plus the World Cup and Origins, it's for me. It's either Cronk or Sonny Bill, but I'd give it to Sonny Bill. Okay, that's just the way I'm looking at it. I don't go off a couple of flash in the pan performances like other people do, where you look and go, you knock three people in their ass in that game and shoulder charged. The whole year, pretty much what he's saying, if you want to look at all those aspects of footy, Cronk's yeah. consistent throughout all of it. But Sonny Bill was also consistent throughout all of it. I can't yeah. really say he was bad in the World Cup or during the year. Yeah, and I think also in the current modern day, the way that awards are handed out, it's very hard for forwards to win these awards. Mm. But if you want to go... You in, look at how many points he polled during the Dally M voting. Yeah. I think he got 12 votes. But also, that's my argument as well with like a, a Melbourne or them. Look at their side though. They've got Maloney, they've got players yeah, okay. that can steal from each other, whereas Melbourne, Melbourne, yeah, they steal from each other, which is why a lot of them have struggled to win one. They've all won one now, but consistently you see all three of those Melbourne players in the top ten. Yeah. Because they're, right. you know, a bit like John Thurston, he gets all the points for his side. Uh, Brad O'Kane, are the NRL trying to financially strangle the Sharks by giving them an unfavourable draw in relation to Friday night games, or do they know something we don't about the harsh penalties they will cop next year for the 2011 issues, making them not worthy of being shown on free-to-air TV. Well, that's all. Uh, it's a bit of a conspiracy theory. We love one here on the show, but um, for me, I don't know. I, well, I, don't, I can't tell. I can't the, tell you that. Again, um, I also think that they're not a. They're not. They don't have a massive supporter base of sharks, do they? I no, mean, but this this is what I'm getting at again. TV this, deal that's like me. I, I want to see Melbourne. Races. I want to see Melbourne play on a Friday, and so does Canberra, but they don't because your Brisbane's, your Bulldogs, these teams, again, that are worth more money. It's the same as Penrith and the, and the Gold yeah. Coast. Probably the, the two teams I obviously follow, Penrith and the Gold Coast. I, you rarely see them on, no, on Channel 9 football. Them, the Roosters, Brisbane, the t- the people that pay for the game, the TV, they get to decide these draws. So I don't get to watch Melbourne play a lot of Friday night and all this. They're pretty much on Foxtel, probably, yeah. which isn't so bad. But, yeah, for people that want to watch their team on Friday night, you've got to realise, again, it's uh, dictated by the people that pour the money in, and it's the biggest supporter bases. So that's why you will see the Bulldogs, the Rabbits, the Roosters, these kind of teams, the Broncos, they get these uh, favourable time slots. Yeah. Or Sunday afternoon football, you know, these kind of slots seem to go to those sides. But it's all on that. It's on fan base, uh, you know, TV ratings. You're not going to put on two sides that have, you know, smaller fan bases in those primetime spots. Yeah. And I'd love to say that, you know, like I said, Melbourne... Sharks, all these teams would get those, but that's not how it works. It's dictated on money and ratings, so not much you can do about it. But as far as the Sharks' punishment's concerned, I think we're all we just don't know, do we're we? all frustrated. We all want to know what's going on. I want to know what's going on. You know, are they going to get the million dollar fine? Is Flanagan going to be suspended? Are there any players going to get punished? Is there any staff involved? Like they, they really need to know because you can't be halfway through a preseason. Well, I mean, they're they're almost halfway through a preseason mm. now. Well, that's, that's right, mate. They, they need some clarity. Sort of point. They really need some clarity. All right, Kenneth Barrington, Fijian NRL team, what do you think? Uh, PNG 2, he said, yes, I'm aware of the PNG Queensland Cup team for next year. All I'm saying is given Fiji making the semis two World Cups in a row, it makes perfect sense to have them in the comp. Well, my problem... And, scrap- and, and, and people would say, well, oh, what about the travel to Fiji and back? It's the same as a flight to WA. So if they're talking about a, a, a flight, a, having a team in WA, mm. three-and-a-half-hour flight, that's, it's the same. That's not my issue. This is my issue. For the P, this is more the PNG, not the Fiji. If PNG somehow got into the NRL, how do you attract players to go live in Papua New Guinea? No, they'd have to be based in Australia. Well, that's what I'm getting at. They'd are are they going to be based Australia. here, or are they going to be based over there? Because they're talking about playing over in a stadium based in PNG. They, if they're going to have a Papua New Guinea inside per se, are, what, how, how's that going to work? Well, I'd, I'd think that 
If they're going to be in PNG, you'd think they'd play in PNG. They'd play in PNG. That's what I'm getting at. But they may may say to these players, look, we'll base you at the Gold Coast. So we'll base you at Brisbane. There's a lot of questions. You can train there. We'll just fly you over for the games. Like all that. Juniors, they have to be based here. All these little things when we're talking that they want to get a Papua New Guinea club off the ground and into the NRL. Mm. I was sitting there thinking, well, if you were telling me. It's basically a third world country. Someone had to move to Garoka or whatever to play for Papua New Guinea and they got offered a $1.5 yeah. million, are you going to leave Australia to go? They're not there? going to have their multi-million dollar mansions, are they? Applies. How's the stadium going to do? How, like, you know, yeah. And they're celebrities over there, but I'm sure it'd be a, a pretty wild environment to be if you're a superstar rugby league player. Yeah. And juniors, how do you pump juniors out? Where's the league? Where's the development? Like, it all pretty much have to be Australian-based if you're going to get it. Same as the Fiji. If it was going to get off the ground, you've got to look at that side of it. New yeah. Zealand's a completely different situation. But those other two, when you look at it from the ground up, 16s, 18s, 20s, New South Wales Cup, training facilities, development, all of it is pretty much needs to be Australian-based. I don't know how you'd operate out of Papua New Guinea or Fiji. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. I, I think that's probably the only... That's, that's not just it is a, the, the it only is the barrier, but it, it is, is the it's biggest a major hurdle. barrier. If you um, told me tomorrow, I'm Kevin Smith or something like that... But or, what Kenneth is saying, and I... Yeah. Whether you then... I love the I ideas. Know, I don't know how you get around it. Maybe, maybe during that rep period where they have the, um, you know, these the under twenties games. Maybe we could get a Pacific Islanders versus Fiji's. Fiji I, I love the idea, in. but it's more exactly what we just got at. That hurdle for those two, I think, is a bit too big to overcome. Like New Zealand having teams doesn't really affect them because they're a much bigger, bigger country. They've already got rugby union, rugby league, all those other little bits in place, especially grassroots. But where yeah. where is all the grassroots that are going to get to a high enough standard and the facilities in Fiji and Papua New Guinea? I think in the next 10 years, the NRL, and I know they're going to be doing a lot of... If they're getting a lot of money... the ARL need to pump... Well, that's what we're talking about. All a lot these, of money into the, these areas. All these cash um, improvements, yeah. they need to get bases or something going, like you're talking about, with the improvements, if they want to be getting expansion happening in those kind of countries. Yeah. Because they're not in a favourable position in that regard. So. Yeah, exactly. Or you um, need a magnate, like good old Marvin Kukash over in Salford, who's just got a thousand million squillion dollars and just going to buy <laughs> Billy Slater, Cameron Smith, Sonny Bill Williams, and everyone else. Yeah. You need somebody like that. But Owner of Mount Athos. When, when's that going to happen, you know? Like, also, I... Also, oh, back to the Melbourne. We need Jerry Jones to come over from the Dallas Cowboys and just. Oh, look, the money. Yeah, I, I love the idea. Money talks, Kenneth. Though. I love the idea. No, but, so do yeah, I. It'd just be outstanding. Practically, how's it going to happen? Um, and I think, like he says, the PNG team being in the Queensland Cup—that's a massive step. Yeah, I think that's great, great start. Yeah, great start. Um, David Boyle, who will get the spoon? Tigers, Eels. I, I don't think it'll be either of them. I think it'll be the Raiders. I think the Raiders, off what I said, they've still got a lot of like... And obviously, the, I think the Eels will still be back there. A lot more first-grade quality players than probably those sides at this point in time, but I think they're on a down spiral. And I don't think... Just everything. Like, Cam Pease, didn't impress me last year. He's going to be off. I think, you know, they let Sam Williams go. I've got no idea why. Uh, you know, Matt McCurick, a hooker that I liked, had some knee issues. Glenn Buttress has always gone hurt, so they don't really have a solid nine. They picked up Kurt Baptiste from Brisbane. There's just a lot of areas I look there. They don't have a guaranteed nine. They don't have great halves. Macron's even been rumoured to going to be playing at nine. So, you know, mm. Shillington had a flat year. Tills, White, Lars, Beat didn't even play a game. All those three are supposed to be that four prop rotation. Where are they? They're all gone, you know. Joel Thompson left, one of their young bloods. Him and Papali were good players. Fenson constantly gets hurt because he carries that side. I think they're going to have some, you know, a lot of players get blooded in, but I'm really concerned for the Raiders. 
Really concerned? Really concerned. I think they're going to be around the spoon. The Tigers... Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think it's your usual such piece. I think it'll look, it'll be the... I think the, the Tigers, Tigers, Tigers kids flourish. I think the Tigers kids flourish, but they don't... Yeah, but they'll get They can't down. sustain it for you know, a year. You know who I'm looking at? And I think they might be in the bottom four, the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs? Really? Just the way that... Oh, the way that Mike Lennis has been playing, they don't have a half. They've now lost their fullback. Yeah, but I can't see... Cassiano... That, that really Ford struggled pack. in the World Cup. That forward pack, I can't see. Their centres, I don't like. I just, I don't know. I, yeah, but overall, I don't know, I, look, look, look at the squad though. You can't. I can't compare them to the Tigers. I can't compare them. Another to, one I think who will slide will be the Knights. Well, they're the one I was worried about, and I told you because of the forwards. Because you look at that Roosters game. That's an example of when everyone says they're going to step up this year. They proved to me in that game why they can't step up. Yeah. They ran one out into a young, brutal Roosters pack and just got absolutely pillaged. Yeah. One to seven. Newcastle are outstanding, but now take out a nine. They don't have one. They you know, have... If the Eels play the Dogs, I think it's going to be, you know, you look at those derby games they're going to play. The, uh, the Dogs play the Tigers, the Penrith. Well, I think uh, they're going to be playing all those teams twice. I just. Oh, young kids. they'll slide. The young the Tigers, I think, will avoid the spoon, but yeah. I think they'll have some problems just overall. They still don't have a lot of great. Uh, older heads in their side, but with, with the development of the kids they're coming through, I think you can look out for them the next couple of years. They're going to be a danger. All right, last question. But, Brad O'Kane. Yeah. Well, who are you going to give the spoon to, though? 100%. Raiders. Um, well, I'm probably with you on the Raiders, but I think the Tigers and a couple of those sides you said, I don't think they get anywhere near it, though. I think the Raiders are really have an uphill battle. All right, Brad O'Kane, the biggest improvers and flops for next year. We've probably already stated that, I uh, guess, well, in what we've said. I think, Penrith, oh, look, I think the biggest improvers, Penrith. Go up again, I think. Yeah, I had them there last year. I think. Look, I think the Warriors will be the big improvers. I think they'll they'll make the eight or the Titans. I think there'll be two sides, or three sides. I think Titans, Panthers, and the Warriors will all be in the eight. Well, um, you know, that's this point of the year, you know, that's, things won't happen over the offseason. Yeah, well, you, you you know who I said I was interested. And in. flops for me, dogs and knights. Well, the one that gets me, and I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I look at the Dragons. I like the way they're recruited. Yeah. I still don't think Steve Price is the, the man to do it, but. In buying Williams and Whitop, I see halves. In having Garvey... I still think they're missing a few pieces. ...come in with rain. And then you've got Merrin, Frizzell, DeBellin, Stockwell. I think offloading those five or six older guys like they did. And then you forget that Merrin didn't play the back end of the year and Dugan didn't. Mm. I think the only spot I really look at and go, it needs to be filled in centre spot. But with the buying, I'm looking at them thinking, you know, they're not going to be in that spoon battle because they've got a lot better squad this year, but... All right, Brad yeah. O'Kane, he's, he's also asked, is there any hope New South Wales with two away games? We've already addressed that in a previous yeah. question. The last, I really like this question, which current players will one day be immortals? Well, I, I'm biased. Obviously, I'm, Big Three. Well, I'm not... I can't, big Three. I can't be biased in saying it because there's plenty of bigger names that have, who are immortals have already said it. Cameron Smith's an immortal. I think the Big Three, all Big Three are immortal. I think Thurston's immortal. I think Slater gets it, but I, st- I don't know about Kronk. I think they might screw Kronk. He seems to be the one that's always on the outside of... That, oh, you if you look at the players that are, he think, might not be an immortal within his lifetime, but I think... I think Greg Inglis, if he keeps going, gets on the right path, and well, he's already on the path. He's already scored a crap load of tries, over 100 tries for 160 or 170 games, so you'd think he'd be... Yeah, and then, and then you know, look Thurston. at that, and that's five five of the key players from Queensland. You wonder why we can't win an Origin mm. Series. Probably got five future immortals. And there's probably the more. If you want to keep talking, like, I'll look at... Yeah, then and... looking at Lockyer, who was an integral part of that, yeah. who's, a, a, you know, obviously going to be an immortal. Brad Fittler's not one, but, you know, around that He's going to be an immortal. ...argument, Fittler. you'd have to think that he'd get... Um, I think yeah, Beaver Menzies... Guys... If Beaver Menzies is not an immortal, I'm not here. He, he'll be an immortal, for He's sure. ridiculously an immortal. But current current day players... Current a... players, well, I think... I, I guarantee Billy Slater, Smith and Inglis... 
Kronk, I, I, I'd like to think, would be one, but I don't know if they will. Thurston, you'd have to think, on here, the way he's been, would be around that kind of echelon. I think James Maloney, like, if he if he continues James to play... Maloney, no, just looking at where he is in terms of his career at the moment. If, if he, he goes in and has a long career playing Origin, which he quite possibly could. If he punches out, he a reminds good, me of a Cronk four or five years ago. Like he sort of got to that. Yeah. Well, if he does that for the next five or six years, yeah, I think he's potentially uh, he could be an immortal. Um, Other immortals though. This is Robbie Farah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It depends where. Again, his legacy. His legacy is going to be State of Origin at the moment. His well, record doesn't read too well, but. I think, you know, if Dugan, these kind of blokes keep the right... Well, Jack Payne is obvious. obvious well, he's, he's the other one. Like, Dugan, they look at it and go, if he had a full career to his maximum potential, I don't know how you couldn't look at one of them and say, well, wow, what a player he was, you know? What about someone like Brett Hodgson? Brett Hodgson? I thought Brett Hodgson was a good player. <laughs> Towards the back end I thought of he was year. good, but I don't know. You're talking about Immortal. Well, I, don't know. Yeah, I, don't, well, I don't think so. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting conversation. You know, you want to talk about. One look at, I'm just looking at players that were. If you want to you talk know, 300, 300 game players at their club, you know, Scott or, Prince. What about Nathan? Is Highmarsh? Scott Prince going to be a Nathan Highmarsh? Nathan Highmarsh will be an immortal for sure. Scott, Scott Prince? Prince? No, not for me. Okay, I don't think he had anywhere near the kind of influence we're talking about with those other guys. I think he's a, he had a, 150 of his games in first grade were immortal status. I think he yeah. was at immortal level, not but not his 300. No, no. Um, yeah, we might leave it there, but. An interesting, interesting. I've got uh, one more. You talk about current, but again, on the th- stupid things he's done. Todd Carney, I think, if he had a full career at his potential, winning Daly M's, winning like you know what he's done. If he pulled his socks up and did what he could do for a whole career, yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be. A re- I think part of the criteria is obviously you need to be dominant at all levels of the game. And Todd Carney, yeah. How many games did he play for Australia? Not many. Well, How many games did he play for New South Wales? Not exactly. Many, so, like I said, if he didn't, that's, have that's his what issues. I potentially have. I look at. Maloney, because you've got Thurston and Cronker obviously on the way out. I think that the halves position there, same as uh, Cherry Evans. I mean, if he yeah. if he, he flourishes, and could both if they potentially stuck together. Right, we'll leave it there. We could go on all day, but yeah. If you want to talk about guarantees, I'd have to say two of the big three: English JT. They're kind of the four that stick in my head right now. Agreed. Uh, anything else? I think we're gonna have a look at the draw, aren't we? Yeah. Well, what about the draw? What would you like to speak the about? Draw, let's have a, to the draw. Well, firstly, the Brisbane Broncos ten. Well, again, I hate ten saying, Friday night games. I hate right. saying it, but it's all this bloody TV deal. This is mm-hmm. the way they do it. The Queensland seems to rotate. That they always get the second Friday night game. The Broncos get the bigger rub of the green, being uh, big boss fifty thousand or whatever. They always get into the ground, but. Are you happy? Are you happy with the draw? I know you you haven't really had a great look at it. I've well, I hate off. I hate watching that. I've gone through and highlighted all the games that I could possibly attend. There's I think about fifty in there, which I'm pretty happy with from, between CUA and ANZ. From the small look that I've had, there's still a few fixtures around Origin that I'm not happy with, yeah. and I know you can't avoid it altogether because there's always going to be some kind of clash. But I still think that Origin ruins a couple of games. Well, let's have a look at round one. Firstly, I mean, obviously we're going to kick off with Rabbitohs Roosters. That's well, I think a, round one's a cracker, massive grudge game. And then you get the Broncos. Dogs Broncos, grudge dogs, because of what's going on there. The night after. So I'll probably be at both of those. Penrith and Newcastle will be a cracker because Newcastle will be expected to back up what they did against Melbourne last year. And Penrith, you'd be interested to see what all those buys do after you know a pretty yep. solid year. Melbourne and Manly, well, what else do you need to say? They're going to try and absolutely murder each other. At Brookie too. Yeah. Cowboys and Raiders have typically had close fixtures against each other. Yep. Parramatta and New Zealand, well, Christ, we got the surprise of a lifetime last year. Parramatta towed them up and then look how that ended up. Dragons, Tigers... 
And yeah, that, those two obviously still got bad blood after the whole Molson situation and, and then, a few other uh, issues. So. Caps off on Monday night, Sharks, Titans. So. Yeah, well, welcome to the prison. That's that'll be you know, <laughs> Greg Bird and Paul Gallen, all those kind of blokes going uh, stoush to stoush. But mm. uh, the Origin window got shortened. I think we were told. Like the, the, the gaps, it's gone to six weeks now, isn't it? I think it was a bit more spaced out before. No, I think it was, it was six weeks before. Oh, I thought I heard Craig Bellamy the other day saying that he was happy that that was compressed, but still not happy with all the fixtures. Mm-hmm. Well, the grand final rematch um, is in round four. Yeah, Roosters well, VC, Eagles, Allianz Stadium, 740. Yeah, the they're the kind of games you need to get in before that period comes around. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but other than that, I, I think... The draw plays Some well. Teams. If you have a look at the last round, um, you know, you got Storm Broncos, Roosters Rabbitohs again, Knights Dragons, Raiders Eels, Panthers Warriors, Cowboys Seagulls, Titans Bulldogs, uh, Tigers Sharks. So if, if you, you finish and end with the Roosters Rabbitohs, which I think last year obviously worked tremendously well. So. If you want the summary, though, of the draw, I don't think we can really put a word on it unless you look at it from your own team's perspective, because that's pretty much how everyone's judging it. Well, I looked at it from a, from a Penrith perspective. I'm surprised they've got so many day games early in the season, because it's going to be hot as hell out here on a Saturday Arvo. Yeah, well, that's what I mean, um, though. And from a Melbourne perspective, I didn't really have a great look yet, but my biggest concerns would obviously be travel and who we played in origin, because we lose, well, you know, the best spine in the competition, realistically. Yeah. So that's always my little stoush. Well, they also don't have to travel to, to the World Club Challenge. Well, that's so the beauty of us out. getting knocked out. But, yeah, we've still got to play nines, and we've got blokes that just played all the way through for Australia. So yeah. my concerns are more, you know, early in the year, do we have to travel a lot? And then the rep period, who we play around that kind I'm of I'm pretty happy so. with the, you know, the Titans' early draw. I think, you know, we've got we've got Cronulla, we've got the Tigers, and we've got the Raiders. So they're probably their three winnable games straight off the bat. So Well, our first round, I've got to say I'm happy, because the last few years we've been given a bit of a lobby. I'm happy we're playing Manly. The Titans have got they've copped a few Monday night games early in the year as well, so mm. I mean there's plenty of people complaining. I personally as a fan, I love the Monday night game. Because I know at least I'm gonna be sitting on the lounge and I'll get to watch it. Whereas yeah, well, on a Saturday and Sunday with everyone everyone's with the got their coaching that's going on. The so. Brisbane seem to get the rub of the ground on Fridays, like you said, that's the T V deal. You know, another Monday yeah. night, Panthers Titans. So uh, the Titans have had three in the first seven rounds. Cronulla so. Cronulla fans obviously unhappy with a lot of the, the Monday games, but again, like I said, what are you gonna do? The T V draw, while the money's being paid by them, they're gonna to have to be able to dictate those kind of things. So Yeah. City Country's been retained, that'll be in Dubbo. Um, now, I'll be interested to see how many turn up for that this year, and mm-hmm. if it is a genuine trial, because it definitely uh, didn't hold that kind of weight last year, that's for sure. Oh. But overall, with the draw, I think you've got to make your own assumptions. A lot of people base off their own team if you cop the short end of the stick or not, but you know, at the end of the day, it's football. Yep. I don't care what day my team's going to play. It's more that rep period though that I look at. Rep period's always the hard time for me. You don't want to be playing... Uh, big games, not only because of the, the results, but if I want, if we're going to play the Roosters or we're going to play Manly or you know teams of that that kind of upper echelon, I want to see them play when we're full strength and they're full strength. Yeah. I don't want to see us play each other at a downtime or when we play you guys without Bird, Miles, Harrison, and then potentially like Idris and uh, you know Duck Taylor. Like if all those guys are in rep form and we're in good form, I want to see those guys play each other. I don't want to see eight rep players not playing. I agree. So that's that's the real part they're going to look at, but. As far as uh, that goes, that's the fan form wrapped up, so we may as well jump in to the conclusion for the final podcast for the year. We've obviously hit the World Cup, we've talked about some of the issues and happenings, we've answered all your questions, so before we head off for our little break here, we'll break down some dates. The nines... Well, first, we've got some thank yous. Oh, well, we'll Plenty of thank, thank yous. So, Nick Tedeschi, 
Nick Tedeschi, yeah. Uh, obviously, he gave us the, the rugby uh, league almanacs early on, and he's a, a Bulldogs enthusiast and a rugby league enthusiast. Paul Kennedy already. for his Storm Cloud interview, that was really good. Um, yep, Gussie ABC Wallen News reporter jumped on. Um, yeah, from the Triple M Grill team. Mr. Yeah. Gossip, obviously, we've got to thank. Looking uh, at Mr. Gossip, you're looking at um, Lisa from Leagues and Legends who donated a few packs for. Um, yep, some of our some awards around Origin. The origin. We've obviously got uh, Wade uh, Martin from Centibet who jumped on. Yep, uh, Shepherd Center. We ended up, I think, we ended up around the thirteen hundred dollar mark with our bet. So we've done quite well. Obviously, next year we'll be able to raise some more money because we'll have the whole season in order to accumulate. Yep. Big um, MG. MG was boys. probably the last one we have to thank. He, uh, you know, this the podcast coming together was a part of a buddy conversation at a pub actually one afternoon and. Um, the big fella here sitting next to me was talking about trying to get on radio and um, I hope that everyone's enjoyed it. Um, for me, it's it's helping out my brother and obviously I love footy and um, I'm involved up at the Panthers. So, you know, there's benefits in it for me and um, helping out the, the big fella next to me. So I hope everyone enjoys it. Next year will be bigger and better. Um, and, yeah, we'll mm. obviously we've got to have some time off because we're both pretty bored. Mm. We've got a couple of months in between. There's no footy, so I'd rather try not to talk about it. Try to, <laughs> Pretty bored, try to ease, just, ease the pain while nothing's doing. But yeah, getting through uh, once the uh, new year kicks in and January's out of the way and all around. Um, well, I've talked about it previously. We're looking at launching a website, but I'm start. I'm a bit fifty-fifty on the idea purely because who at the the site that hosts our podcast. That is virtually the only difference between me having a website and not would be be able to host it on that address. So. That may or may not happen, but if not, it is not a big issue because most of the media content obviously goes through our social media pages. So there may or may not be a website. So keep your eyes open for that, and we've still got to get a revamp logo that's in the works at this point in time. All right, but dates. Yep, there'll be more guests again next year, though, and all those regulars will be back. Uh, I don't think anyone will be missing. Centibet, I'm sure we've got to speak to them. But No, no, they're on. They're that, on board. Oh, there you go. They're back on board. The charity bets and stuff will remain for next year. So. Yep. so that's even better for all you blokes that probably for the first half of the year not only had the podcast, but there was a lot of people getting in on the bandwagon trying to win some cash off. So you'll have a full set of fixtures next year to get some cash over. Yeah, we're probably looking at um, increasing the amount of free bets we give away each week as well, which will make it better for and more interactive for everyone. Yeah, and, and in all facets, we've got a couple of months now to refresh and get some ideas, so look out hopefully for a couple of new segments and some new ideas next year. And uh, also, one thing I've been trying to come up with, I'm trying to somehow link in fans. So we're going to be trying to bring in somebody at least every week next year, maybe for a quick rant on their team. Excellent. But uh, this is all stuff that's in the pipeline. But dates... Uh, we've got the Nines, obviously happening, the Auckland Nines on the 15th and 16th of February early next year, plus the World Club Challenge the week after. Uh, due to the World Club Challenge probably not being as big an issue for everyone, unless you're really a Roosters fan. I know I'm not everyone will probably watch the game, but you're not really going to listen to a gibber about the Roosters if you're not on board or Wigan. We're going to tie that into a Nines preview, because I'm sure everyone's going to be very interested in watching the Nines. So that will roughly be about February 10th. So that'll be, you know, a couple, give you about four or five days out from the nines and also just to get a bit of the World Club Challenge, which is happening the week after. But as far as the the important stuff, which is the preview of the 16 teams before the season kicks off, as well as some predictions for the year, such as premiers, minor premiers, you know, a dark horse, sliders, teams that will improve and all the rest. We'll probably have a, also we'll probably have a special guest for both those podcasts. We'll split that in half. We'll have yeah. one guest for one pod and another guest for another. So it'll give you um, a different sort yeah. of angle on it. Bit of variety, but uh, that'll be in two parts. We'll be doing uh, 
the teams how they were from 16th up to 1st next year. So it'll be 16th to 9th, and then 8th to 1st, and we'll build our ladder and predict for 2014. That'll be two parts probably released uh, on February 21st. That'll give probably two weeks there for people to get through the two halves, hopefully be about an hour each, and then uh, a couple of days out from the kickoff of the competition, which is on March 6th. We'll hopefully release something uh, a couple of days before that, just leading in around one. That'll only be a short podcast, obviously, just having a look, giving some tips and probably getting gossip on if anything's rolling by that point in time. So other than that, uh, it's all wrapped up. The season's done. We've had our premieres, our origin, all the rep fixtures and the World Cup go by. The only thing left, I suppose, is the golden boot. That's not too far off being named. But uh, other than that... Have a safe Chrissy. Yeah, have Stay a great trouble. Stay exactly. safe. Happy New Year. See you in 2014. And if anything is going on over the Christmas break, feel free to keep interacting on the page. We'll uh, be keeping our eyes peeled on that, and we're always happy to talk about the Rugby League. But for now, guys, in, uh, enjoy the New Year, and we'll speak to you on February 10th. Bye. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.